Welcome to the Gridiron Show. It's our Week 9 preview coming up. Matt Sherry and Ollie Hunter will take you through all the Week 9 Slater games, making their picks. couple of risky ones for Ollie, who needs to catch up. Quite a few coin flip games this weekend as well. Plus, I'm going to look back on a win for the San Francisco 49ers. Now 8-0 on Thursday Night Football. But reasons to be cheerful for the Cardinals? Maybe. This is the Gridiron Show. Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. Will Gavin to kick the show off. Ollie Hunter and Matt Sherry will be with you shortly to take you through the week nine slate of games. But I'm here to talk about Thursday night football. I promise this wasn't necessarily planned. It's just the way this week fell. But the San Francisco 49ers have gone to 8-0. It's pretty incredible considering going into the season they were a team we had so many question marks on and and obviously a fully understanding that we are living in a world where you know people will question the schedule, people will question who they faced and they've got a much, much tougher second half to the season. But it meant last night meant so much more to the 49ers because beating that Arizona Cardinals team who were incredibly frisky last night Kenyon Drake a fantastic first game for them showing flashes of what we can hope for from him in his time in Arizona Cliff Kingsbury generally calling a pretty good game but a a real shocker at the end of the first half when he called a timeout with the 49ers going for it on fourth and goal from the one they stuffed the run he'd already called the timeout and then instead Jimmy Garoppolo finds uh, Sanders in the flat and they end up scoring a touchdown and, and ended up being really let's be honest the difference between the two teams after a really impressive Cardinals second half performance but from a 49ers perspective what happens to them now is they go 8-0 and going into what is essentially a mini buy for them Thursday night football turn it around the next two games Seahawks Monday night football 11 day turnaround that's at home and then they get the Cardinals at home that's an opportunity for them to get their two tackles back uh, healthy to maybe get Carl Juszczyk back healthy as well for George Kittle Got a banged up knee in this game, a possibility for him to get healthy as well if there is a real knock there. Giller Witherspoon potentially as well. Now there's a good chance we won't see all four or five of those players back in time for the Seahawks. But it is just worth mentioning just how kind of big it could be for them. When Kittle went down in the first quarter and and the Cardinals marched and scored on the first drive of the game, I won't lie, there was a little bit of concern. And they did it in both halves. The Cardinals went and scored on their opening drive. Looked good on scripted plays. The best I've seen their offense move on what's a very good defense. To be honest, late in the game, it, it was great throw and a great catch and run uh, from the rookie Andy Isabella, uh, who scored that 88-yard touchdown. But defensively poor, the safety went to the sideline, which is Richard Sherman's area. So both players covered the, the touchline, and he was able to cut back inside and just find a huge amount of open field to run into. And that's what Sherman was annoyed about in the end. Um, but if it wasn't for that, it might not have been as tight a game. Squeaky bum time in the end. But a couple of third down completions, including a third and four at the two-minute warning when Shanahan chose to throw the ball, pretty ballsy, picked up that first down with the pass out to Tevin Coleman after they confirmed the spot. And then essentially it was take knees and it was let's get out of there. 
Uh, the love for the 49ers that needs to be given, though, is that we talked a lot about this. Well, firstly, the replacement guys. Uh, School, who is the, the sixth-round uh, rookie who they brought in uh, this year. Justin School, uh, who's been stepping in for Joe, uh, Joe Staley and been absolutely superb. You'd never guess this team were down to their fourth and fifth tackles this season. And a big amount of appreciation for right tackle Daniel Brunskill. An undrafted free agent for the Falcons in 2017. The guy was playing for San Diego Fleet in the AAF just a few months ago. Since the 49ers lost their starters, he's played 240-odd snaps now for the offense. He's a top 10-rated tackle on PFF. It's a fantastic uh, advert for those spring leagues and those spring guys and how they can have an impact, but also for the 49ers coaching. Really, really delighted with how that worked out for them. And then uh, beyond that, we are just, well, also, if we're talking about the replacements, the, um, uh, the... Tight end who's come in, the second string tight end, who actually had a couple of big tackles in this game, Dweely, but basically has come in and played as a fullback in uh, in Carl Juszczyk's place. He was absolutely superb. But the biggest love of the day has to go to Jimmy Garoppolo. George Kittle said afterwards, man, he's pretty good. Don't know why people don't think he is. He makes some pretty gutsy throws out there, doesn't he? Goodness gracious. In addition to the strong chin line, he's incredible. Garoppolo's now 16-2. 16-2 as a starter. That's uh, only behind Daryl LaMonica, yeah, I don't know either, and Ben Roethlisberger for most wins in their first 18 games. Marino and Storback also sit on 16. He had four touchdown passes on the day, three of which came on third down, one on fourth down. None of them necessarily easy completions either. And particularly, I thought, was impressive, not only in his ability to, to withstand pressure in the pocket, to step up, to show pocket presence and manipulation, to know when to dump it off in the right moment, to make the right decisions, which we haven't necessarily seen all season. But in the in the chemistry, particularly with Emmanuel Sanders, and if you go to my Twitter at Will Gav, I, I put the, the play up there. But the unbelievable uh, third down completion to Sanders, where he threw... The just a beautiful anticipation ball well before Sanders came out of his break. This absolutely shouldn't be something that someone is able to do when the guy's only been with the team for, what, nine days. So really, really impressive on the offense. Yes, the defense had a day of regression. You could argue on the road, Thursday night football, divisional rival. You know, only the second team this season to put over 20 points on the 49ers and the others were the Pittsburgh Steelers who had five turnovers in which to do it. So... Yeah, I I think this was exactly the game that me and Matt Sherry have been asking for. We said that the hole was Jimmy Garoppolo. We said there's going to be a game where the defence aren't able to get the stops and he's going to have to be the one that steps up. A man, did he absolutely do it in this game. Really, really impressive performance from him. Uh, Really impressive performance, we said, from from Kenyon Drake and, uh, you know, Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. Whilst there were a couple of plays where Murray's height and his, his... a rookie status did come to show. There was one in particular, I remember Justin Pugh was forced back into him by D Ford and, and he just absolutely whiffed on what would have been an easy third down completion because he couldn't essentially see over the tackle. So there were a few plays like that, but overall impressed with them, impressed with their defensive front, getting after the quarterback. I think even though it was a loss, I think it was the best I've seen the Cardinals play this season. Uh, yeah, overall, uh, oh yeah, Buda Baker in particular on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, three passes defence, 13 tackles. He was really impressive. So just a little recap of Thursday night football for you. There's a lot more that could be said, I'm sure. But let me hand you over to uh, Ollie and Sherry. We'll take a little break and then we'll get the week nine preview action. 
Yep, this is the Gridiron Show. Ollie Hunter in Japan. Yes, I'm in Japan. I don't know whether you knew that. It's brand new information for a lot of people. And Matthew Sherry in the pool. Matthew, how are you? Very good, buddy. Very busy, but very good. Excellent. Before we get into football chat, I uh, messaged you a picture of my dinner tonight, which was um, loin of pork on a pork bone broth with some strange little mushrooms, but you'd like them because I did, some noodles and some springers, also with some uh, pork goyoza on the side, a little bit of soy sauce. Honestly, mate, it was stunning. You'd have loved it. It it feels so clean as well, doesn't it, Japanese food? Like when you eat those broths and it just, you you know what I mean? It just feels like it's cleansing your system as you eat that kind of thing. Do you know what it really does? You're 100% right. It just feels good. I, it, it, it doesn't. It feels like you're having vegetables without having to have all the vegetables. Yeah, you know absolutely. I, mean? it, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. You eat goodness. I also had a beer to go with it, which uh, I'm sure you would have approved of. Um, but I, one one thing, Japanese people eat weird. Really? So there's slurping and like oh, sucking up noodles, which. You, which I'm, I can't really get on board with, but it's very difficult to uh, to not do that if you're eating with chopsticks. Uh, I was struggling. I'm not that au fait and proficient with chopsticks, so I was struggling with, with actually getting the noodles in my mouth with the chopsticks. And at one point, uh, one of the girls, one of the waitresses came over and tried to give me this spork. And I was like, no, I'm not having any of that. I'm going to finish this noodle soup without the spork. How dare you? How dare she indeed, that's outrageous. And very friendly, ultimately. Friendly, it was. Then they are, everyone's really, really friendly. Well, I am in Japan, which means, Matt, that I can't go to the Gridiron After Party, um, International Series After Party at Bloomsbury Lanes. It's a fiver. I would have 100% have gone, because it's only a fiver. The pizza is incredible. You get bowling, you get football, um you get beer, you get football way into the night as well, where a lot of other places don't do that. So head over to gridiron-magazine.com and find the link because you'll be able to get your final ticket there because I won't be going because I'm here. But if I wasn't here, I'd 100% be going because it's a great occasion, a great occasion. I think as good as the party is, though, we can safely say that you're going to be the big winner this weekend, Ollie. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i am i've got to go to the bronze game tomorrow i say i've got to I, it's still going to be great you get to see new zealand play again i wonder what if wales will do anything with a hacker i don't know no one's really talked about that and then it's england in the final on saturday uh saturday morning nine o'clock nine a.m i'll be there i honestly it's ridiculous i've taken myself away from tokyo i've gone up a, i went um, up a, a, a mountain gorge today um a place which has hot springs and the whole oh my smell. god i love hot springs i went in i went into the the, the, the water um i've had a, a foot bath the hot spring foot bath but everywhere's got hot water it, it's beautiful my hotel and this isn't even any up the mountain it's got a thing called an onsen which is where it's really weird because you have to go naked but it's where you go and bathe with other blokes in a really naturally hot. Uh, it's kind of like a jacuzzi, but it's nice. But it's kind of nicer. And then you get out, and then you t- have a shower, sat down, facing a mirror. 
it's weird, but it's actually really nice. Yeah, it sounds amazing. It, it's oh, amazing. So if jealous. you if you can get over for the Olympics, I a hundred percent suggest. Well, it's not going to happen, but it's a nice dream, isn't it? I did cover the Olympics in London, but I'm now I'm NFL only, baby. I'm going to America next week as well. We're flying off of the gridiron tour on Thursday, so I can't um, complain too much. You Jamie bastards! It's, you get to see Green Bay, Carolina, don't you? Yeah, and it's going to be a good game now, isn't it? Looks. I've got a feeling that could be the one where Cam comes back. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I really hope so because I don't think he's going to be very good, buddy. <laughs> uh, right, we'll get into Green Bay in a in a bit. They're playing at the Chargers. Uh, let's start off with that gridiron, um, with that international series game. We go to the gridiron party at Bloomsbury Lanes afterwards. Um, it's the Texans who face the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, um, Gardner Minshew's been added to the injury report. I think this is just precautionary or, or trying to throw some people off with a, with a little shoulder. But do you give, well, the Texans had a, had, have had a, a, an unlucky time so far. What what are your thoughts on this one? Are you leaning towards the Texans, or are you leaning because of their experience in in coming over and doing the London games? Are you leaning towards the Jags? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I am just leaning towards the Jags. Actually, I, I think the atmosphere for Jaguars games in London has been has been you know it's been more fervent with each passing year, hasn't it? And I think that'll play a part. Um, I mean, it's hard to bet against what Deshaun Watson is doing at the moment. Um, I just expect both teams to score some points in it to be a really good game, but I'm going to give the edge to the Jags just because I do think that the atmosphere is going to be really pro-Jaguars, and it's not like the Texans are a team that I think are overly well supported in, in the UK anyway. But um, this this has a chance to be you know as good as the first game was this year. Um, but I am just going to give the edge to the Jags. Both teams playing well, you know, the Texans... Got the win against Auckland last week. The Jags have won back-to-back games, albeit against two teams who aren't great in the the Bengals and the Jets. But yeah, I, I just think that the crowd could really make a difference in this one, and and the you know the Texans are banged up, and the, the Jags could get the job done. Let me talk to you about the injury report uh, from the Jags. They've got Campbell, Hayden, Leon Jacobs, all in all defensive players. Josh Robinson, defensive player. Quincy Williams, defensive player. Josh Lambeau, I mean, doesn't count his kicker. Um, all of those guys didn't practice Wednesday. We're waiting, for, of course, for the Thursday injury report. But um, there's, there, is there an issue there? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I, I think that, especially when you look at the other side of things, when I think Tunsil's going to be available, who got injured last week, the left tackle for the for the Texans, and then on the other side, you've got um, you've got Titus Howard back in practice as well, and that's massive because I think that. You know, increasingly it's become Deshaun Watson having to do everything on his own because the the, the protection's broken down a bit because of of injuries. So, so yeah, I mean that's big. I mean, if you look at all the factors with the injuries and and who the Texans have coming back, I mean, I think Jonathan Joseph will be back this week as well. Then there is an argument for Hughes. I just expect this to be a really close game. Like, I, I could be the kind of scenario where whoever gets the ball last wins it, but. I just I don't know why I just have a feeling I have a feeling that it's going to be a big big pro Jacksonville atmosphere and and therefore the Jaguars might get the job done. Two really exciting young quarterbacks, Gardner Minshew's lit it up and he's found a real connection with the friend of Gridiron DJ Shark, um, Josh Allen as well. I want to get your thoughts on him because I saw some uh, I saw some 
some stats where he matches up, albeit with one game more, but he matches up with um, with Nick Bosa when it comes to sacks and, and past the play, all of those things. Um, but he's not getting talked about. He's having a really, quietly, having a really, really good year. And for he's going up against a team that like to give sacks away in, in the Texans. So I'm expecting a huge game from him as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think he's been really good. And, and as you say, he, he hasn't got the love that Bose has got. But he's such a versatile guy as well. I mean, loved him pre-draft and he's, he's so far living up to the hype. And, and you know, I thought I thought from, from the little bit I watched last week as well that um, the, and Gokwe the last couple of weeks has, has come come on again. You know, I, th- I didn't think he started the season as well as he, he's played in, in recent years. But I think the last couple of weeks he became a factor. I mean, if you've got Campbell and Gokwe and Allen... You know that's everything that we thought it was going to be, and 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 actually, there's been some good performances around. I mean, even Taven Bryan, a guy who who has been a little bit considered a little bit of a draft bust. You know, he's not he's not playing every snap, but he's doing a job inside as well. So yeah, there's some there's some talented guys on that Jags defense, and and you know, as much as Tunsil and Howard will probably play, how healthy are they? And I, and I think that as well will be an, a factor that determines the outcome of the of the game. Campbell's the big one, though. I mean, Campbell's been as good as ever this year. I mean, he is so good, and and I don't feel like gets talked about enough. But he's he's in that tier for me with the likes of Fletcher Cox and and guys like that. It would just a notch below Aaron Donald as the best defensive lineman in football. He's so good, Calais Campbell. Yeah, wrecking ball, isn't he? Right. Well, I think we're both taking the Jacksonville Jaguars. Head over to the Gridiron Picks Chat Gridiron Picks Challenge. I should say, put my teeth back in um, and competing for your chance to win stuff lots of stuff each week right um let's stay in the nf the afc south the indianapolis colts they currently top the division five and two um houston texas five and three both the other two teams in are at 500 at four and four but the colts they go to the pittsburgh steelers i've got the colts winning this and i quite like the fact that i've got the colts winning this against the three and four pittsburgh steelers yeah, I mean, I do. I think, again, though, a close game. I mean, the Steelers are playing well on defence. Um, you know, I said last week, I think Mike Tomlin, a guy I've been critical of, is doing a, doing a nice coaching job this year and that maybe he coaches a little bit better when his, when his back's against the wall. Um, I think the interesting element in this game is that it's not like the Colts are the kind of team who are going to run away from anybody. So, you, you know, this could be a, a game that really plays into Pittsburgh's hands. I mean, TJ Watt, Cameron Haywood and Stefan Tewitt have been just phenomenal on the on the, on the the line and, and what, obviously, the the edge guy for uh, for the Steelers. Uh, and Devin Bush, my guy from, from Michigan, has had, a, has had a nice start to his NFL career as well. Um, so, yeah, I think the Pittsburgh defence is playing well enough to keep this game close. I just think the Colts have got they've got something going at the minute. You know, you look at that game against Denver, and 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 that was a game they really shouldn't have won. But the, the Jacoby Brissett, who who didn't have his best game against the defense that that has rapidly improved since the start of the season. You know, he makes a play at the end, and it, it feels like the Colts have that about them at the moment. You know, that ability to sneak out wins even when they're not playing as well. But yeah, again, a close game for me. This one, a defensive battle. I will just about give the edge to the Colts because I trust Brissett to make a play at the end and I, and I don't necessarily trust the, the Steelers' offence to do likewise. Yeah, I've taken the Colts as well because, as you said, I really like um, 
Brissett. And again, if you remember, I think it was, was it last week where he rolls out to the right in his own end zone? He, yeah, he that moves was the up one. pocket and, and the a lightning pass down the sideline to T.Y. Hilton. And that connection, I, I just think is undeniable. You've got Marlon Mack back there as well. But on the defensive side, uh, I think they're they're playing really well as well. So um, I'm taking the Colts. And also, I think the Steelers are going to be slightly banged up on offense here because James Conner has, is struggling with a shoulder issue. Yeah. Now, even if he plays, he's not going to be 100%. So um, he had a really good game. But, you know, what's behind him? Benny Snell, he's got an, he's got an issue. So I, I'm, I'm struggling to see where the Steelers are going to score that many points on offense. So I'm, I'm taking the Colts. Let's stay in the, in the AFC South. The Tennessee Titans are going to the Carolina. Now, this was a real flip-flop game for me. I have no idea because Carolina got tonked by the 49ers last week. The Titans look a much better team now that Ryan Tannehill's found his straps and is throwing the ball and moving the ball. And that defense is really, really good. I'm edging towards Carolina because they're at home and they'll have to have a reaction off the back of a a pummeling by by San Francisco. But this is a real, really close game for me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really tough one. It's very similar to the last game in that, you you know, I don't trust either offense, really. Um, I think that Josh Allen got exposed a little bit by the 49ers. Um, I still think he's got potential to be, not Josh Allen, Kyle Allen. Uh, I still think he's got potential to be a, a good quarterback, but, you know, it's it's tough for him. I mean, he's he's... Teams are starting to understand what he's good at and what he isn't so great at. And, and yeah, I mean, Tennessee, you look at that defensive line. I mean, Jarrell Casey is obviously the star, but then Jeffrey Simmons has, has been really good in his first two games. Daquan Jones, who is one of the most underrated defensive linemen in football, has been a good player for them for a number of years. And, and I was a big fan of his at Penn State as well, is, is, is playing well. Their cornerbacks are all playing well. Logan Ryan had a really nice game last week. Adoree Jackson, Malcolm Butler... And and then Rashawn Evans, the linebacker from Alabama, is having a nice season as well. And and Jaron Brown, they've got two really talented young linebackers there and a and a veteran guy. I mean, there's just a lot to like on that defense, and I think they've played really well all year. The issue is how bad their offense is, and it it has looked a little bit better with Tannehill, but I wouldn't say a huge amount better. I mean, I think schematically, it's one of the weaker offenses in the NFL, and and I think that'll cost Tennessee a playoff berth this year because they're a really talented team, the Titans, you know. But it's the wasted talent on offense that is the issue. You know, Dion Lewis, a guy who was one of the best backs in football when he was in New England, is just being completely wasted there at the moment. So, so yeah, I mean, we've picked out the three games to start with here that I think are, are absolute coin flips. Um, I think I think I'm just going to go with the Titans on the road in this one. Um, simply because I, I think their defense, I think the offense is a, is a little bit of a wash, albeit with with the exception of McCaffrey, who clearly is the best player across both of those units. But I just think Tennessee's defense is a little bit better than Carolina's, and Carolina's has been very good this year as well, but got exposed a little bit last week against San Francisco. Um, There is an argument that Carolina will bounce back from that and be hurt by that, but for for me, I'd just give the edge to the Titans, who, you know, after starting two and four, won won a couple of games on the the spin with Tannehill under centre, and and if they can get a big win on the road here, then are firmly back in the in the AFC playoff mix. I'm taking Carolina because I think Ryan Tannehill's due a Tannehill moment, uh, and yeah. I think it could be against Carolina defense. He's just due for me. Um, so let's move to what I think is another 
actual coin flip game because it's the tank bowl. Yes, there's another tank bowl. I think the Miami Dolphins, and I totally agree with you guys on the last pod, I think they're actually an okay, well, the last but one pod, I think they're actually an okay team. Brian Flores is, he's, as you said, he's coaching the bejesus out of these guys, and he doesn't want to lose. He really doesn't want to lose, despite it, it, it seeming like... You know they're trying; they're doing everything they can to lose. You know, uh, blitzing on third and twenty and giving up a touchdown against the Steelers, that kind of thing. But the Miami Dolphins—they host the New York Jets. The New York Jets are in disarray in the backfield, in the in the in the back office. Um, I, I think the Miami Dolphins. I think they can afford to win this if they lose later on elsewhere. I think they can afford to win this. This is the game that I think that they will win, so that they ensure that they don't go one and fifteen or zero and sixteen. They go one and fifteen, but um, they still get that number one pick. I'm taking the Dolphins in this. Yeah, I mean it's a tie one for me. I would have taken the Dolphins if they hadn't just put Xavier Howard, who was the best player on IR. Um, but the Jets' offense looks atrocious. I mean, in in every way yeah. as well. I mean, it looks bad on the field. The numbers are diabolical. Um, it's really bad what's going on in New York at the moment. Uh, you look at the Jamal Adams situation. What do you make you know, of that? I mean, it's an interesting one. You know, I can see the argument that the that the new GM should take a call on a player when when there's big offers on the table. But for me, Jamal Adams is the kind of guy I would want to build a young team around. You know, he's he's outrageously talented. He's one of the most versatile safeties I've seen. You know, he could easily be a Troy Polamalu type guy by the end of his career because he's so versatile you know you could you could use him in so many ways I mean he, he's a dream for a defensive coordinator um, he's also for me a guy who is who is about winning I mean he's outspoken but he's about winning you know I can take guys who are outspoken if they if it's coming from a good place and I think it is with Jamal Adams so he is a guy I would be building the New York Jets around in it and I find it odd that you would even entertain trading him especially you know you've got him under contract for the next two or three years at, at a good rate as well yeah I mean I find it I do find it crazy I must admit um but the whole situation's a shambles I mean Gase has been exposed badly in the last 12 months and the issue the Jets have got now is his best mate is the GM. I mean, they've they've built this thing around Adam Gase. He looks completely out of his depth. He's fallen out with players yet again as he did in Miami. I mean, it's just a shambles, but I, I mean, there is no team I've ever seen in the NFL less talented than this Dolphins squad and that is, is added to even more with with Howard out. And, and for, for that reason... I give the Jets the edge, but I don't do it with any confidence because, as you said, the, 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 there's a coaching mismatch here. I mean, Brian Flores is is coaching well and Adam Gase is is not. So, yeah, another interesting game, if if for the wrong reasons in, in this instance. I know there are something like, is it 33 players on the Dolphs' 53-man squad that weren't there last year? It's something ridiculous. Yeah, it's a big number. I've got- I mean... It's a and, huge number, but... Sorry, I think the positive for the Dolphins is, you know, they are giving guys a chance and they will unearth some players doing this, you know. Yeah. There's some guys who are, who are playing some decent football for them who, you know, most fans would, would not have heard of ahead of the season. So for, from that perspective, I think that the, that the tank will work out in that way as well because you will unearth some players, but ultimately, you know... 
it's just such a talent poor squad. They've got a lot of work to do in the off season. Listen, I, I think I think they they can afford to win this one if they go and lose the rest. I um I'm, I honestly think that Flores will want to put one over Gase, the former incumbent of that job. I think the, yeah. the rest of the guys on the roster, I think they'll see it as a big old derby. They're at home. They're professionals. They don't want to lose. I've got a feeling. I've just got, like you had with Jacksonville, I've got a feeling that the Dolphins, My it's a bold prediction, but I've got a feeling that the Dolphins will do it. Let's... um. Let's move to a couple of interesting games in the NFC. Um, I want to talk to you about the Buccaneers versus the, the Seattle Seahawks. Two teams which are flattering to deceive in some ways. The, the Seahawks are being hamstrung by dreadful offensive coaching, def, um, lots of defensive injuries. And then on the Buccaneers' side... They are a couple of bad decisions away from being their, their their record being far better. I'm not sure what Bruce Arians if Bruce Arians is getting the best out of them, and, but I think again it, this is two teams which had it been in Tampa Bay, I would definitely I think go for the Buccaneers, but I'm leaning towards the Seahawks because of the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think this will be a close game, like you do as well. I mean, the the Seahawks are just so reliant on on Wilson, and and he can't do it every single week. Their defense is playing really badly. Um, this is the, the interesting element in this game is uh, the Buccaneers' run defense is is probably one of, if not the best, in the NFL. I mean, they've basically shut down every rushing attack that they've faced this season. Their pass defense is the opposite side of that coin, so. Do the Seahawks, even with Dwayne Brown again potentially out, I mean, he's a limited participant now in practice, so so maybe he comes back, they certainly need him back. Do they take the chance of, of, of dropping back and throwing the ball 40 times? Because that's what they should do against this defence, but it's not the Brian Schottenheimer way, you know, it's not the Seahawks way they try to control the game with the running game. I just don't think they're going to be able to do that against the Bucks, so it will all come down to Russell Wilson. I think that Russell Wilson, because the... The Tampa Bay secondary is so poor, will make enough plays to win the game. I mean, I, I think the Buccaneers have been unlucky. They should be 4-3 and three this season. They were robbed last week against Tennessee. Yeah. They they had that shocking loss against the Giants on that field goal at the end. I think they're a competitive team. I think they'll be competitive in this game. But I think this is the game where Wilson puts himself back at the top of the MVP race and, and really pulls it out because the, the certainly the secondary will allow him to make plays and, and I think he will make enough plays to, to win the game. But fascinating to see what Seattle's offensive plan looks like because you know the, the argument against Schottenheimer is that he is too obsessed in trying to run the ball. This is the kind of game where you need to just... I mean, I, I wouldn't be running the ball... Unless you have some success, then everything changes. But I wouldn't be running the ball much at all. Maybe 15 times in this game, do it a little bit. But even if that, you know, don't be frightened to, to put Wilson in the shotgun. I know that you'd like to do a lot of stuff off play action with Wilson, but just put him in the shotgun and let him pick the defence apart. And Interesting to see if they go down that route. But yeah, I'm just going to pick the Seahawks in this one. That's a gr it's a great shout. Honestly, it's a great shout because um, what Wilson's got is all right. He he lost Will Disley, but they brought back Luke Wilson. No relation because there's an extra L. Um, but he's always had a good connection with with that tight end. You've yeah, got yes. this six foot. He's about six foot five, two hundred and thirty pounds in 
DK Metcalf, who I have absolutely loved this year, and and you've got Lockett as well. I just Lockett's been really good this year. Like he's having his best Tyler season Lockett. as a pro. Exactly, Tyler Lockett with um, Doug Baldwin out has really stepped up. Um, Doug Baldwin retired, obviously, but I think um, I I think they're his offensive weapons there. Well, especially in Lockett and um, Metcalf, are, are underrated by some. So I I like the Seahawks in this. I'm going to take yeah. the Seahawks. Likewise. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> moving on swiftly. Um, uh, uh, two teams that have to win, absolutely have to win to keep their playoff ambitions alive are the Chicago Bears, who won't win because they've got a dreadful quarterback in Mitch Trubisky and their offensive and their um, head coaches seemingly having a bit of a breakdown uh, they go to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles at 4-4 four four. the Eagles with the Cowboys playing uh, on Monday Night Football they have to make sure that they stay in touch with the Cowboys um, and, and go 5-4 and four. I'm taking the Eagles I think they're a better team all round but um, I, I wonder what's happened to that Chicago defence, where's it gone? Yeah, I mean, I thought they played well on defence against the Chargers. It's just how bad their offence is. I mean, I think the Eagles will win as yeah. well. You know, they got they righted the ship at Buffalo, and now they need to get on a bit of a run. So, yeah, I expect them to, to do that, continue that in this game. And, and yeah, an Eagles win for me. Uh, the Let's go to Buffalo. Buffalo Bills, they host Washington. Washington at 1-7 and seven are a dreadful football team. They're looking at trying to get that uh, that number one pick as well. Um, the Bills, always good at, at home. Is it Ford Field that they play in? Uh, New Era Field. Ford Field's Detroit. New Era Field at Detroit. Thank you very much. I'm, I, you know, I was just testing you there. That's all. Um, but the, the, the Bills host Washington. Um, Josh Allen, I totally agree with you. It was about time that he got found out. A bit like Kyle Allen last week. It wasn't a good week for the QB Allens. Um, but Washington are dreadful. I'm taking the Bills. Yeah, likewise. I, I just think that they'll completely shut down Washington's anemic offense and that'll be enough for them to win. I mean, yeah, I think this will be a, a get-right game for the Bills. I've already apologised to many, all and sundry, about John Gruden. I think he's found his coaching straps. I agree with you that he is having a really nice coaching season, especially on offence and, and what he's doing with those tight ends, getting them open. And Josh Jacobs has not really been a revelation because we saw it happening, um, or we saw it, it probably would happen, um, especially when he came on the show at the Super Bowl. Um, but they host the Detroit Lions Detroit have to win to stay in contention. There's a lot of have to wins in that NFC North. But I'm taking the Oakland Raiders. I think that the Raiders have got enough about them at the moment to to get past a Detroit team that I don't think travels very well. Yeah, I agree. And 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 I said to Will, you know, they've got a lot of home games coming up that are winnable Oakland. And, and, and they basically need to win all of them to, to be really in the wildcard mix. So I think good atmosphere as well. I, I expect the Coliseum to, to be classed towards the end of the year, to be honest. You know, they're, they're leaving town for Vegas at the end of the season. So, so yeah, for me, I just favour the home team. But this is another close game. It's it's a game between, you know, it's a knife-edge game for both teams. I think I, whoever loses this is, is for me, out of any hope of, of getting in the playoffs. So I think it's a massive game. But, yeah, I'm just going to give the edge to the home team in, in Auckland. 
Will the Minnesota Vikings at Arrowhead against the Kansas City Chiefs, will that be as close as Green Bay versus the Kansas City Chiefs? Uh, I don't think so. I think the Vikings are going to absolutely roll all over them. I think they'll have Adam Thielen back. Touch wood for them. Uh, otherwise, they're looking healthy. The defense is up there, top three defenses in the NFL right now. I'm taking Vikings win. Yeah, likewise. Even if Mahomes plays, I think the Vikings will win. I just think they've pulled everything together. Uh, they can they can massively take advantage of that defense. I mean, if if Kansas City attempt to cover Dalvin Cook with a linebacker like they repeatedly did Aaron Jones, <laughs> I mean, I would hope that they don't. Then he might have 200 receiving yards in this game. You know, it's just. I just think Minnesota can control this game in every way. You know, they, offensively they can they can pick apart that defense. And and as I say, even if Mahomes plays, I mean, I hope that I, I would love to watch a Patrick a healthy Patrick Mahomes in this game. I hope he doesn't play because I I, I think that they should hold him out until after the bye. Um, but part of me would love to see him play as well, just because what a matchup it would be. But yeah, I, I think either way, I'm going to go for the Vikings. So I think a, a really rolling now and the next team, as we said last week or earlier this week, they are the next team for me, slightly below the, the top three teams in the NFL. I thought you were going to say you're going to write an open letter to Steve Spagnolo and, uh, and, and ask him what the hell he's doing. If, I, really uh, like Sp- I, I really like Spags as well. Like I think he's a good coordinator, but yeah, well, I mean, Andy Reid has, Andy Reid has to take some of the blame as well. I mean, as the yeah. head coach, you should be able to spot those things. You know, could you imagine that in New England? You know, Belichick is... Is is solving an issue like that, whether it's on offense or defense. So, so yeah, it needs it needs fixing, and you would hope that they've they've learnt the lessons. But even so, I mean, I just think that that Minnesota should be able to move the ball anywhere they want in this game. Sorry, I'll make a call up back. Let's go. Uh, okay, so let's move on. The Denver Broncos host the Cleveland Browns. I've got a Broncos win here. I tend to always go for the Broncos when they play a mile high against teams that aren't elite. And I don't think the Browns are elite yet. They've got some elite players, but it's not quite com- coming together. And I massively don't trust the head coach, Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, I mean, I think the Browns will win only because, you know, Flacco's injured, so that Denver a kind of... I mean, their defense has played really well. That's the interesting part. Denver's defense has played really well the last three weeks. You know, there was a lot of talk about them not having any sacks in the first few games of the season. But yeah, the, the Browns have to win. I mean, you know, Baker Mayfield's massively kicked off yesterday at reporters. There's a lot of spotlight on them. I, I think the Browns have to win, and I think they will win. You know, Denver's Denver's quarterback situation doesn't help. I think if Denver had beat the Colts last week, then then maybe I look at it slightly differently, but you know, Brandon Allen's gonna play quarterback and, and we just we just don't know what he's gonna offer in any way, shape or form. Interesting to see if Drew Locke ever plays down the line with Flacco injured, but but yeah, yeah I mean I, I just think yeah, Brandon Allen I don't have much faith in and and, and Cleveland's defence is has actually played well and is very talented, so I would expect the Browns to get right and win the game. Uh, I'd miss the Flacco stuff, so I'm going back to Gridiron Hyphen Magazine and changing <laughs> my uh, my pick to the Browns. Um, Green Bay, a team that it's you understandable. hate. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, mate. Green Bay, a team that you hate, uh, going That's to Los true. Angeles, where where I predict they'll have seventy five percent of the thirty five thousand soccer 
seater soccer stadium. Uh, I think the fans will, will make it loud. They are taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers' defense is okay. The offense hasn't really done much. They can't get the ball to, to Keenan Allen. Philip Rivers is starting to look his age. I'm taking the Green Bay Packers despite, and I actually agree with you, despite the defense being on the downturn. Yeah, I mean, I have lots of misgivings about the Packers that we don't need to go into again. Um, I think they'll win this game. And, yeah, I mean, the Chargers have won the last two, I think, but feasted on some some bad opposition, which is certainly what the Chicago Bears have become. Um, yeah, I, I think Green Bay win. Um, there are some good signs for, the, for Green Bay. I wouldn't deny that. I think Rodgers is looking much more comfortable in the offence. Uh, I still think a good defence will shut that offence down. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I saw Devante Adams uh, practicing on a video yesterday. I think, will he be back? I mean, with or without him, I think the Packers will win. But it looks like Adams will be back as well. So yeah, Packers win for me. Adams was limited practice on Wednesday. So you could should imagine that Thursday he will be full or limited at least. And then he will be back for some, if not all, of Green Bay's uh, offensive drives. That leaves. Do we do Monday Night Football? No, let's now off. It's only the the Cowboys versus the Giants. The Cowboys will win that. Um, but the New England Patriots will they lose their first game against the Baltimore Ravens? Can Lamar Jackson cope with the best defense in football in the New England Patriots? What do you think, Matthew Sherry? I just go back and forth. I, I can't wait for this game. I'm really, really excited about it. Um, I think New England will shut down Lamar Jackson. Ultimately, is the side I come down on. There are some, there are some troubling signs with the run defense. But I, I've watched back a lot of the the, the plays Chubb made uh, for the Browns on Sunday, and and it, I would just say it's a good player making good plays. I wouldn't say there's any defensive breakdowns there. I think the defense is is stout against the run as well. It's just Chubb made some really really good plays and is a great running back. Um, I think New England will win. Um, I think it'll be a close game again. I mean, this this could be a game where if any team scores 20 points, they win. I think the Ravens' defence is getting better. Um, Jimmy Smith might be back in this game, the cornerback. When you pair him with Marlon Humphrey and now Marcus Peters, you begin to have a really nice cornerback group. Um, def- defensively as well, you've obviously got Earl Thomas on that defence, who I think is getting more and more comfortable with the scheme with each passing week. Interestingly, the defence has actually improved since Tony Jefferson, the other safety, got injured. And and, and you wonder whether... You know, I, I really like Tony Jefferson, but he, he hasn't been playing well for them. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, just think, I just think there's an argument that, that this is a really low-scoring game. I, I, New England's offence isn't where they want it to be yet, and I'm not sure it will be for a few weeks, but they do get in Kale Harry, the first-round pick, back... Well, actually, they get him healthy for the, his first ever NFL game. So, interested to see if he makes any plays. But for for me, a big day for Julian Edelman, a big night, sorry, for Julian Edelman, and the Patriots edge edge a really tight battle, twenty to seventeen. Ooh, Even giving oh, you a scoreline there. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I'd prefer it the other way round. Sorry, sorry, mate. But I, I just wanted to ask you before we go, and I know we've gone long, but what's um. What's New England's rush defense to running quarterbacks like? I know it's rather niche, but you're the man I know that would know the answer. Uh, a lot better than it has been historically. I mean, that's that's one area where the Patriots have struggled in the past uh, badly. 
Uh, this defense now, though, because they've got a lot more athleticism at linebacker, they've they've they do such a good job of keeping these kind of guys in the pockets. The the problem with Jackson is that where he differs from other guys is if he gets out, you're looking at a massive play. You're not looking at you know scrambling for a first down like you would be with Aaron Rodgers or a Ben Roethlisberger in years gone by. You're potentially looking at him streaking fifty yards down the field. So. So yeah, the other element on New England's defense is I think I just think they've got caught in a trap of certainly against Cleveland of trying to make too many big plays, which goes against Bill Belichick's defense style. But they're so good that they can do that. In this game, it'll be about disciplined defense, and I think that New England can can turn that back on when they need to, and and will will do a nice job of keeping Jackson in the pocket. But but yeah, so it's better than it used to be a real struggle for them. I think if they went against somebody like Jackson who had more thrown ability downfield where you had to really respect the outside weapons and couldn't just play zone defence because he'd pick you apart, then they would struggle. But I think New England play more man-to-man than anyone in the league. Look for them in this game to flip that round. A lot of zone coverage, and I think they'll be confident that they can handle all of the passing weapons doing that because Jackson isn't a, a rhythm, on-time thrower. And and for that reason, you know, you want all eyes on Jackson to stop those scrambles. So, yeah, I think that's what they'll do. They'll play a lot of zone and they'll do a good job of, of restricting the running game. And, and they can't... I mean, their secondary is so good that, you know, you're scared of Hollywood Brown a little bit, but I think they would back their secondary against any receiving corps. And this one is by no means a murderer's row of, of outstanding receivers. Would you say that if they're caught in a trap, they, they, they may not be able to walk out? <laughs> Absolutely, buddy. <laughs> because maybe they, you love them too much, baby. Yeah, possibly, yeah. mate. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I think... I'm just excited. I mean, it's exciting for the season to start as a Patriots fan. I know that sounds arrogant and I don't mean it to be, but it it is exciting to be worried you know worried and really thinking through a game beforehand and I'm just I'm just really excited yeah. to see a, a potentially viable game and I'm sure that fans of the 49ers now feel the same way you know these teams have have seemingly gone so far ahead of the pack and the Saints as well that it'll be just nice to see them in a in a, in a tough game on the road I totally get what you mean because you've had an easy slate yeah so I mean far. the, the period schedule's been slate. non-existent I mean it's been a doddle yeah so, um, I, is it going to be one that you stay up for and watch? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Sunday no night? doubt. No doubt. Get in, Shazza. Get in. I'll be on a plane. Um, I'm not hoping that it's delayed. Honest. Uh, <laughs> listen, Matthew Sherry, thank you ever so much. Uh, I'm going to en- go and enjoy the onsen uh, and a sit-down so shower. So jealous of and- that. Well, mate, it's great. Honestly, it is great. It's so great. I'm thinking of getting a little stool in my bath or (laughs) my showers in my bath. I'm going to get a little stool and 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 set one up so that I can have a sit down shower. It's so relaxing. You get you get a a bowl as well. And all of your 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 soap and your shampoo, not that I need shampoo, uh, is on a little plunger in front of you. And you just the shower moves and you can put the water in the bowl and then tip it over your head. Honestly, it's great. It's great. I recommend it. I recommend it. Um, right, head over to at Twitter, at Twitter, head over to Twitter, at Gridiron, at Ollie Hunter, at Will Gav, at Matthew, Matthew Gridiron, Matthew Gridiron. Um, all of that shilling. Don't forget to, to sign up for the party. You won't regret it. It's a great night out, especially after you've seen a game of football as well. Uh, good luck to the, the Texans and the Jazz Jags. Good luck to 
my Green Bay. Good luck to England. Come on, England. Come on, England. Yes, yes, yes. Sir. This has been the Gridiron Show.